Welcome to another Azure-centric podcast on our Azure Weekly Updates. My name is Marcos Nogueira. I'm your host, as usual, for the last 46 episodes. And with me, I have a special guest. First time on this episode <laughs> and, and on the other 45 as well. Andrew Lowe's. <laughs> I was going to say, welcome to Azure-centric weekly podcast. Yeah. My name is Marcos Nogueira. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. It's funny. We get used to hearing things and then we just want it. It becomes a, a habit and process. Completely, but completely. But but oh, my God, it's, it's been a good week, I have to say. Uh, not very busy on Azure, uh, which is good because last time was a kind of a busy week, let's say. Right. Um, <laughs> but this one, we didn't have to to cut too much. It's just outside of our realm, some of those HD insights uh, that we are not very familiar and 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 some of those kind of uh, updates. But if we can choose uh, a theme for today, I always say that is a kind of a, a defender slash storage kind of theme, right? Hmm. Yes, and yet not storage defense, right? Yeah. So storage defense. Uh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> it's not defense; it's defense. I, I don't. Yeah, know. but uh, yeah, yeah. I would say yeah. There was there's some some good releases around um, some security and definitely around storage yes. as well. So I think um, yeah, really good uh, uh, updates this week, and it's a bit deceiving, right? Because we don't have a big number. But within a couple of them, there's some uh, many points. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, so. yeah. It's going to be a very good episode. I foresee that. Um, and, and again, we are we are back on track. Uh, we released uh, the last episode last week. We are doing this right now, and we are back on track. And that's what we want because we did grow. Uh, this week, apparently, um, some, of, <laughs> some of our followers, let's call it this way, uh, didn't like our attire, so we are more. We're blaming the bow tie again. <laughs> oh my god! Not it was a Christmas tree bow tie. What's not to love? You don't even have to like Christmas. It's just crazy. exactly. But apparently, uh, our followers that that didn't appreciate the bow tie. I thought it was too to that. Uh, must be they didn't like us. Hey, that's okay. We're back to the traditional hoodie. It's yeah. uh, of course uh, Calgary Flames season. Um, yep, that's right. For months, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yes, uh, we had to cheer for them last night. Um, pretty good. We have games coming up, um, kind of over the next few days. So it's going to be really, really good. Um, and uh, thus, I could, I guess, should probably show the rest of it. Right, it, it is actually a Flames. Ooh, yeah, the old Flames one. That's that's beautiful. Yes, I have to say, a little more classic. A little more classic. That's yes, it. let's let's do that. But let's start with with our thanking our followers um, and saying farewell to the ones that they leave us. <laughs> I hope I hope that one folks. day you come back. <laughs> But that's a, come on back. We'll we'll publish more. That's regularly. okay. We did make a if you are and, if you are uh, new we'll if you are new, uh, please subscribe. Uh, help us on the channel. We are on the verge of reaching a milestone. Uh, <laughs> reaching a milestone. 
He's going to do it. Okay. That's and and right. um, which is awesome. Um, but uh, help us out in this case uh, by uh, subscribing, by smashing that that uh, like button uh, or the unlike button. Uh, for us, we are doing here, what we are doing here is with love for you in this case and basically recording our weekly conversation that we have about Azure. Uh, it's a way Absolutely. that we can, that we are, me in this case, as an Azure MVP and, and you probably as a future Azure MVP that we can get an up, uh, up to date with all the Azure uh podcasts and with all the azure updates and it's been great for me we've been receiving great feedback um so far regarding the open conversation and and uh not at all uh kind of recorded and and have an agenda we basically hit the record button and let's the flow goes <laughs> there is definitely no script no, here at uh, all the, the only thing that's pre-formatted is the articles that we choose yeah. and and um, the source is the same it's always the same we, since we choose yeah it's always from the same source Absolutely. from uh azure uh, updates and azure blog so it's all microsoft news all azure news and honestly we choose it um moments before we press the record. Exactly. <laughs> so there's no prep, there's no uh, there's no storylines, there's no backstory. Yeah. It's just live. And again, <laughs> if you are if you are new to the to the channel, once again, don't don't forget to subscribe, right? But the idea over here is to bring um, our uh, vision of working every single day uh, in the field with Azure and how these updates will influence or we will uh, add more uh, things that we can uh, that we can do it and different ways that we can do it on on a daily basis right and that's the goal over here um, there are other uh, uh, podcasts they talk way more deeper in specifically some of those updates over here is just for an informal way for you to get to get um, uh, up to date with the with the updates. I know that's a redundancy, exactly. but it's it's literally okay, enough with. Well, not really. It's it's tricky to stay up to date with um, all the different Absolutely. things. Absolutely. So we 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 filter things a little bit more infrastructure oriented, and a little bit more yeah. um, security kind of focused as well. Absolutely. And uh, we're we're here to kind of provide uh, our context, like you said, Absolutely. right? So. So let's roll and let's start with with the first one. So welcome back and let's jump to the first one. And the first one, okay, apparently it's not the first one. Oh my God. That's okay. So you fight the little gremlins. And I'll say, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Microsoft Defender for Cloud. So first, we're going to talk, uh, well, take a look and we'll we'll chat about the public preview updates uh, kind of coming to the close for November 2021. Yeah. So first up, we have the prioritized security actions by data sensitivity, which is actually powered through Azure Purview and integrated 
into Defender for Cloud, right? So this one is, again, we're talking about the preview features here. So that's a, a really powerful way that we can um, gain insights and extend controls over our data over a very large distributed uh, environment. So if we think about um, how many services are there, uh, give or take, in Azure? It's like 280 something, or I don't even know anymore. I can't keep track. There's a lot. Yes. So Purview helps us to um, not only kind of wrangle some of that data, but helps us to report on and understand where we have control issues or where we may have some egress issues yes. around uh, data and sensitivity labels and things like that. So, um, and of course, the next one, if and if you want to take this one, go right ahead. Yeah, no, the 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 this this prioritize one, it's it's good because like any part of the defender, especially when you when you, we uh, are dealing with DLP, and funny enough, we had a conversation did today about about that, right? It's it's like you create those sensitive labels uh, and, and and your sensitivity regarding your data classification or inside of your organization. Be able to do this, and this again is in preview, be able to prioritize, for example, something that is the highest sensitivity, like a top secret uh, or whatever it is that is your data classification and prioritize the data that or prioritize the actions that you want to do with regarding the data because it's way more sensitive than the other ones right it's it's awesome because now it's like you have the rules by order um i see these as the rules of 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 urgency right and and by having the urgency if if come the rule or if i have some data that is being uh, that needs some action and a lot of times, because this is a cloud services, it goes against a queue, right? And DLP has been always, for example, some of the service that sometimes it takes a little bit more time to just basically uh, update and to get those rules in action, right? Be able to prioritize that, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's what we really need because we might have a lot of, rules or actions that they are with lower sensitive data and when this comes it will basically jump into the front of the queue so which is pretty powerful makes everything uh, more streamlined okay let's call this way streamlined regarding the, the the way that we handle all of that data sensitivity regarding everything that we that we trafficking right Exactly. Yeah. And there is kind of the, the other piece that snapshot export, yes. right? So in Defender for Cloud, we can, you know, generate these detailed security alerts and that we have all the good recommendations. So we think about those recommendations coming back. So this is kind of uh, the programmatic way that we can ingest things. So it's like a continuous export of those feeds that are um, containing the uh, recommendations and the uh, security alerts. So uh, this past couple of weeks, I've been referring to this as the tool formerly known as Azure Security Center. Yeah. And um, if we think about those security alert feeds coming out of there, 
those are ones that we want to make sure we get the security team's eyes on. And this is a great one to test in your your dev or your your uh, your testing environments. Uh, remembering, of course, that it's in preview, so just kind of be cautious with that. Um, <laughs> I always think of, you know, we put a feature like this in and it's awesome, it works great, and then all of a sudden it stops, but we don't realize it for maybe a few hours. We've missed those few hours of security alerts that we need to have eyes on pretty quickly, right? Yeah. So uh, I, I see these <laughs> with different I, uh... eyes. I see these especially, okay, especially for uh, professions like us that we are architects, right? That we're going there and usually we we come to the organization, we start looking at, for example, secure score or start looking for Defender for Cloud. And at that moment, okay, I usually grab a, a screenshot. To be honest, I grab a screenshot. And the reason that I grab a screenshot is to compare at the end of the project of what we had and what Absolutely. was implemented to see the difference. But along the way, it happens that a lot of those times, the uh, rules change, okay? Microsoft update those rules because uh, uh, for different reasons, right? They update those rules or by enabling some part, there is a bunch of other rules that they are coming along with the service and the secure score, and the secure score goes down. Right, a lot of those times, yeah. and then we say, "But you told me that the beginning of the project, the secure score should be higher." And say, "Yes, true, but uh, a secure score should be higher regarding the rules that we have at that present moment." Now we have way exactly. more rules, right? At the end, because we have way more services to to monitoring or to or to validate. And now the secure score can come higher or lower, but we have way more services. Be able to do yeah, and this snapshot allow us to that moment in time to freeze what is being the recommendations and the security findings. And now we have something way more, um, way more. Um, I can. It's missing the word, but it, way more uh, directly to the customer, right? that mm -hmm. it's comparable to the end result because now yeah. it's that. Well, we can filter it down based on just the relevant exactly. categories, um, right? And that's one of the things that's really cool about this snapshot feature is like you were saying, you know, we start a project. So if you think January 1st, uh, here's our snapshot of uh, these measurements, we can compare those exact same measurements say on uh, June 1st to be able to have kind of that six month delta of the score was, um, I'm gonna be generous today and say 40% when we come in, um, see I'm being optimistic already, and 55% uh, or 60 or whatever, but when uh, you hit certain milestones and then by June 1st, we're at 82%, uh, for example. Yeah. So um, pretty optimistic scoring, but <laughs> I think, um, you know, it, it's tough though, right? Because it's it it, like you say, it's an ever-changing landscape. And one of the great things about um, Azure Secure Score, Microsoft Secure Scores, is that they adapt for the current landscape. So when there's a new threat, they start measuring your protections against those new threats. Absolutely. As soon as the rule is published. And it's really important because 
that's what I always tell the teams that we work with is, you know, we need to visit secure score on a regular basis. And I think this tool is going to help to draw that data out in a really meaningful way that we don't have to go to a dashboard. We can use whatever tooling we want or even build custom reports around that. So um, pretty exciting to think of the possibilities. I know it, it was a small update and we get excited about these silly things. It's not silly, I think, <laughs> because this is important. This is the part that we work every single day, especially with the, the, with the Defender that used to be the, the, the Azure Security Center uh, and the Azure Defender as well. And, and, and yep, that's right. the best segue for the next one. And the, the next update is the Microsoft Defender for Cloud, or the GA updates on November 2021, okay? We have to remember one thing is, this is the last month updates. I know, I know that we are in December already, but this is the updates that coming in GA. And in November, beginning of November, we had the beautiful Ignite. So a lot of those updates, okay, that we are covering, uh, not all of them, but, but the, the, um, the, the majority of them, we already talk on this podcast, okay? Because especially, and I highly recommend you guys visit the Book of News, all right? Um, mm. That um, the Book of News of, of Ignite 2021, and they are coming like the first one it's it's well uh, aware of everyone because we already mentioned here even on the on the previous update that is the azure security center and azure defender now becomes microsoft defender for cloud so microsoft announced during the ignite that all of the defender suite okay the azure security center changing the name the Azure Defender, that is the Defender Suite for Azure, is 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 changing the name to Defender for the Cloud. Even uh, the part of the Office 365, it's inside of that Defender for the Cloud. So exactly. Um, Sorry, I'm so excited. It's bringing a tear to my eye. My eyes started to water here. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, but with that, with that, for example, some of those updates. That's why we are not covering over here all of them. Uh, that we already mentioned is the new CSPM for uh, AWS, the threat protection mm -hmm. for the AWS uh, on the um, uh, EKS, the the uh, the Kubernetes, right? And the EC2s that they are exactly the same as the our virtual machines uh, on Azure, mm -hmm. for example. Uh, the part of uh, do you want to cover some of them? Uh, what? Well, actually. Well, I think two that really jump out are the next two for me, right? Kind of in, in my world a little bit, which is the expanded security control assessments with the Azure Security Benchmark version three. So there's a lot of new controls. There's a lot of, uh, there's a couple of removed ones as well. So, you know, uh, visit the site, dig in, take a look. There's been some changes. Um, if you do have these compliance and security benchmark templates added, go in and have another um, bit of a preview and rerun your reports and your your current status. There's some cool changes in there that we should be monitoring now. The other one that I really like is the, the Microsoft Sentinels connector, uh, the optional bi-directional alert synchronization uh, has been released for GA. This is huge. So I don't know if people necessarily realize this. So two things. Azure Sentinel has become Microsoft Sentinel. So when we think about those name changes, 
not a huge switch here. It's still Sentinel at the core. What's really awesome about bi-directional alert synchronization is let's say you take your Sentinel incidents, you're piping those into ServiceNow. Well, when you close that ServiceNow ticket, we had to write some customizations to get the Sentinel ticket to also close. Now, the data connector is bi-directional, which means the alert sends to ServiceNow and whatever your ticketing or systems are sends back and the data connector knows, hey, that incident's now closed. And guess what? Automatically can close our Sentinel alert uh, uh, in, in the incident dashboard. So this is really, really freaking cool. And uh, this has been kind of um, an area where we've had to do a lot of customization around in the past. So it's really awesome. Yeah. And and works the <laughs> other way around as well, because if the, if exactly. the, in this case, the incident is coming from, for example, uh, like you mentioned, your, uh, uh, what's the name of the product that you mentioned? Sentinel? ServiceNow Service is coming to Sentinel and you are doing an investigation and then it's been resolved either automatically by Sentinel or you just doing the investigation, you close that, that, that on Sentinel automatically will close directly to ServiceNow. So it's going to be, exactly. it's going to be uh, the bidirectional um, that is a conversation that is not only one way, but it doesn't matter where you're going to close that, which is always good because if we compare this with the traditional method is, yes, you have your ticket system that's coming from ServiceNow, right? And, and then you need to go on your other tooling for the investigation and going forward with all of that. You close that and then you always have to come back service now to close the ticket uh exactly. in this case you don't need it uh it's it's really more streamlined and it's it's going on that but using sentinel for example one of the big things that they did is a huge integration for example with kubernetes um the part mm -hmm. of kubernetes now that you have the recommendations that you had before on our security center now Defender for cloud. Uh, now you is being pushed to Sentinel as well. So they Sentinel starts to be the big kind of tool to just grab all of that information in one single pane of glass and to be able to just do that. So if you want a tip for you for you guys that you are seeing this podcast or or hearing this podcast, take a look very deeply on Sentinel because it is already one of the biggest tools in Azure um, regarding special security and regarding special monitoring and regarding special everything, basically, because now everything is connected to Sentinel on bidirectional. You can even on Sentinel monitoring what's going on on your 365 world. Uh, so, mm -hmm. and it's bidirectional again. So, um, take a look on that. Uh, try to uh, learn more, try to just going on that deeply because you will not regret it in the future, especially if you are inside of the, let's say, let's call it security realm inside of Azure on cloud, because with Sentinel, you can basically, um, monitoring even other, uh, cloud providers or even on premise. 
Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. We could get into the weeds really quick. Absolutely. There is two things that I want to chat about kind of on this one. And I know I promised I'd keep it to two, but I'm just going to add another two more. It's fine. It's like an IT five. Exactly. It's okay. <laughs> so the, the two, two other pieces that really kind of um, support a little bit around the, the defender theme and the Sentinel and security themes is the the threat and vulnerability management has been added as a vulnerability assessment solution. So solutions in Sentinel are kind of a package deal, right? You get a bunch of different things with them and you deploy it as one and you configure it as one. So um, it really is a solution in this case. So it's really cool. Now, the other one that's very much kind of related here is the auto provisioning of the vulnerability assessment solutions released for GA as well. So these vulnerability assessments and vulnerability scanning, this is something that I talk about frequently with my customers. And this is an area where we can use uh, things like the Qualys scanner. We can build measurements within our vulnerability assessments and we can use those to drive actions, automated actions, from our Sentinel environments. So go ahead. Uh, I, I know we're not here to talk about that specifically, and that could easily take an hour <laughs> just on its own. So I'll be careful. But um, go and explore it. Have a look at this. Um, it's kind of a, in an, uh, a bit of a, an innocuous-looking update. It's, oh, Defender for Cloud updates that they did in November. Remember, like, uh, like you were saying, you know, we had Ignite yes. in November 2021. So there is a lot of hidden gems in some of these monthly summaries Absolutely. that we're seeing over the next couple of weeks through December Absolutely. here. So and, and and even even the part of growing this defender, uh, this defender one like defender for endpoint now supports Linux even on server side of it. Uh, it's it's huge. Yeah, that's fantastic. that's fantastic because now it's not only Windows VMs that we can uh, enable the Defender uh, and all of that part, but the threat and vulnerability management add as a solution, and it's in GA. So uh, all of that part of what I what usually I call the behavioral engine of looking what's going on on the server or endpoint. Let's call it endpoint, no matter if it's a server or not. Um, is yeah. going to be massive because now it's no longer on Windows only. You can do it on on Linux as well, and and basically grabbing that behavioral engine to see if anything changed by an action of a user or something like that automatically generates an alert, and you can even automate those processes. For example, to just um, isolate that machine. So if anything happens only happens on that machine it doesn't spread on your uh, on your environment so uh, it pretty cool the things that they are that they, they they did regarding the month of november right and that explains Absolutely. that explains a lot that explains a lot it does it does yeah and the the isolation of machines as part of an automated response um, if you aren't doing that with your solution today you should really investigate defender as a solution as a whole for, you know, Defender for Endpoint, Defender for Cloud. Um, these are these are kind of baseline features, yeah, in my absolutely. opinion. Um, 
yeah. Anyways, yeah. Let's not get stuck Absolutely. on that. Um, let's go on to the next one. It's almost just as exciting, right? Yeah. So public preview availability of virtual machine, uh, virtual machine restore point. Absolutely. So something we've had in Hyper-V and VMware, um, kind of when we think about our on-premises solutions, uh, we've had that around for a while, but we had to use Azure Backup to achieve um, restore points when we think about uh, VMs in the cloud. So this is a preview feature, and it's also going to be av available, which is really exciting to me. Uh, we were actually, you and I were talking about this even today, uh, using ARM uh, to, uh, resources to call the restore point collections. So um, it's been very well thought out. It's been a long time coming. Everybody's talked about this with a lot of passion for a long time and uh, really exciting to know that it is almost here. Yes. So now we have the ability, uh, like for example, if we're testing a piece of software, we can take a restore point, do the software test. If something goes all kinds of sideways, we can roll back to the restore point really easily yes. now. So we don't even have to do a full restore from backup. It's just, it's just a restore point. And um, I think we used to call them checkpoints in Hyper-V, if I'm remembering my terminology correctly. Yes, it's, it's yeah, they, they call it restore points. But the part that I like about this, it they does support multi-disk application consistent check, uh, snapshots, mm -hmm. which means that if I have an application, here application, let's call web, uh, uh, application and, and database, I can synchronize that restore point as a consistency. So if I need to restore back because something changed or whatever it is that we wanted, we are able to do that, okay? And and it's, it's really good and is the part that we did it because the what does this allow us is to restore in case of data loss, corru corruption or disaster. Because one of the things that I've been criticizing a lot, uh, uh, in this case, um, Azure, is the use of VHDs and not VHDX. Yes, Okay. exactly. So VHDs, if you are familiar with, with Hyper-V and all of that, um, it's the first version of the virtual hard disks. Okay? It's the version, that's why Microsoft, there is a reason that Microsoft in 2012 um uh 2012 yes not 2012 uh 2012 i, I knew what yeah, you meant uh, i just want to be clear uh, <laughs> that they switch from vhds to vhdx okay because yes. vhdx it's way more uh corruption in this case proof if we might say we didn't have exactly the same problems that we had on the VHDs, but because of compatibility uh, with a lot of things that happening, and Microsoft has always been uh, really good on this rate of compatibility, but sometimes they kind of shoot themselves on the foot uh, because of that. Um, this, it was one of the fixtures that it should come way earlier uh, because there is a lot of uh, corruption on VHDs. Uh, luckily, so far, I've been uh, in all the projects that I've been using, I didn't have any type of issues. Uh, 
uh, I can count with even one one hand the types of issues that I had during the last year. So their methodology of doing that it was great. But still, everyone that have an Hyper-V and knows Hyper-V like me since the beginning, it gets a little bit nervous of of getting VHDs and not VHD access, for example. This. Yeah. So this is kind of that Gen 1, Gen 2 yeah. challenge that, uh, that we always struggle with, right? It's, yeah, Gen 1 and Gen 2, it's more related to the... It's like the BIOS versus UEFI, right? So well, yeah. it's it's more related to that because uh, it really depends on, on what system are you doing. So, for example, Linux system, they are a little bit more... Uh, cranky regarding the UFEI, the new operating system, in this case, Windows, the recent one you cannot even install, I think, on, on, on BIOS mode, something like that, right? Or you can do it, but it's going to be so slow that and so insecure that you don't want to install anything else besides UFEI. Um, and there is a lot of other things that, that you can do, right? But this version of VHD is always been what I call the Achilles uh, of of Azure uh, because it works um, uh, right now. It works really well, but I think they should improve this for a VHDX. Um, I don't know what is the reason behind it. Probably I've been totally unfair with all of this. Um, I didn't. I, I did ask. Oh, don't worry. You'll get an email. Absolutely, sure absolutely. <laughs> or, or what I, the worst can do is they will cancel my Azure MVP, but that's okay. Uh, we still have the, the, the this podcast. It's it's hey, we're 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 talking about milestones here, right? Exactly. So we're getting there. <laughs> absolutely. If uh, we apologize to uh, those of you listening and viewing, um, uh, not part of our conversation right before we clicked on record, um, we were talking about an absolutely hilarious milestone uh, that we're 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 really gunning for. We're going to hit it. It's a it's a YouTube measurement, and we're really shooting for it. And let me tell you, we have set the bar high. so low. <laughs> oh, case, I thought it was high. I think well, it's 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 high for us because the the relativity of the whole thing. I don't I don't know how to measure the scale. Um, we broke the measuring scale <laughs> trying to figure it out. It wrapped around the thing, and I was going to make a limbo comparison. Like we've set the bar so low that even our shoe can't get under it now. <laughs> so it's, we're, we're yeah, we're going off the rails Completely. real fast here. Anyways, um, so. I heard there was another cool announcement yes. that you wanted to share. India Central availability zones, now general availability. So if I'm not mistaken, this is one of the new uh, regions, right? It is. It's recent. Oh, recent. Yes. Let's, let's go this way. The recent. And now they are basically saying that three unique physical separated locations or zones on the single region is bringing to high availability. So again, this is going again on a statement that, that Microsoft says that by 2025, all the regions uh, supported by Microsoft will have 
FABTisms. Okay, we'll have Correct. three, uh, two or more in this case. The, I think the aim is three FABTisms on every single region, which has allow us to just starting. Okay, uh, grabbing in this case the availability inside of Azure, and and goes again on the same conversation that we always have that it's not because it's an Azure that is high available. Um, we need... Well, no, it's based on our configuration exactly. within, right? We need to, um, we need in this case to, uh, like I think using one of your terms, we need to uh, plan for disaster and hope for the best. Exactly. Uh, yep. Did, did I get yeah, it right? That. Almost perfect. Yeah. So we always plan for the worst. Yes. But we hope for the best. So when I think of BCDR or business continuity and disaster recovery, part of business continuity in my mind is driven through, first of all, business requirements. So is this system, is this piece of software and its related components? Is that system needing to be always turned on? Yes. So if the answer is, well, it needs to be 99.39s, you know, well, we're going to need to use some availability zones to achieve that. Now, if it's part of a disaster recovery and we need to have it kind of absolutely no exceptions to those three nines, then we need to talk about multi-region availability and disaster recover and you know are the backups adequate and the backup storage adequate we can go a uh, very deep dive it's certainly a whole session unto yes. itself but um availability zones in many of these kind of newer regions that have launched over the last year are really impressive because i want to remind everybody we are dealing with a very real chip shortage and microsoft has been able to let's say, sustain their manufacturing um, kind of supply chain in a way that they're still launching data centers and still upgrading hardware. And um, we're not feeling a big pinch um, in Azure services, kind of the way we did even two years ago. Yeah. So this is, this is really not a small accomplishment when we see these availability zone announcements. Um, there's a lot under the hood, right? Absolutely. Uh, I could not agree more. And, and and we're starting to see a lot of those organizations. Microsoft, it's not new in this case to the um, to the hardware world, uh, right? With all of that. Sure. And we see other players like, for fan. example, Google with the new uh, announced uh, Google Pick 6 that it's its very own first time ship that they are producing, for example. They are not going but on you on. You can't buy it in Canada right now, though. You can't. No, you can't get it in Canada yet. Okay, I didn't know that. So see another Absolutely. update, not related to Azure. I I will say I I had a a very close heart to heart with Santa, and uh, Santa was shopping around and had asked me some questions for some advice, and uh, I I did a little bit of research on his behalf. And I was very sad to see that. So um, it was restricted due to availability. So chip shortage, my friend. Yeah, it's it's a real thing. It is. It is a real thing. But what is real is the next update.
immutable storage with versioning for blob storage it's not ga and this is awesome okay because so immutable storage i, I, I want to well i want to ask you first as part of your explanation on this can you tell all of our audience here today what is immutable storage and the backstory of why immutable storage is so important to us today so Im and i i apologize for interrupting that's okay you. I, um, I was I, going I on that way sure i was because i love the way you tell i <laughs> i was expecting I'm when when you when you starting that that you were doing some of those crazy questions that i was like uh my god what am i going to say that but yeah so why do I let this guy on the podcast again? <laughs> but in this case, immutable storage, okay, is it's based on a very nice word that is warm, okay, or what's called the warm state. That is the right ones read more or read many, okay. Um, so basically, immutable storage is for those types of uh, of cases or scenarios that you you just put the file or put the artifact there and you are reading. So a good example of this, okay, uh, you might laugh or not, is is the IT drive, okay, for ISOs. Mm -hmm. Okay, usually it's it's what comes to my mind. It's like our drive. Usually we put a document there or we put the ISO there, we put all the tools that we want, and basically you just write once, you are not changing, right? And and becomes a readable uh, a source for everyone that you want. So it's awesome, for example, for uh, those type of scenarios that you need just a read-only kind of way. You just write once, you're doing that, and you are basically increasing setting of the the performance of the writing that you need performance to to, to write you just need that uh, to read so probably will work with a lot of cash a lot of that it will enhance that part so the multiple storage now that you have versioning regarding the blob storage allows you to have those times that even if you're going on a version of the ISO, so I give you an example like the ISOs that you can take from MSTN that once a month you can take the update of the ISO for the, uh, for the Windows Server 2019, for example, right? Um, that you can upload that. Um, you can have exactly the same name and you can have the versioning. So if anything happens or... Um, the retention period that you are setting for that, you can always come back to a version, to a previous version in this case, right? So be able to do this in GA right now, it's awesome, I have to say. Absolutely. So what are the two kind of, well, I shouldn't say as a question, sorry. The two use cases that kind of come to my mind when I think about worm storage or immutable storage is really one data protection so if we think both underneath kind of the the and pardon the pun but maybe not so much the purview of 
you know, protection, we have um, compliance, yes. first of all, right? So we have maybe a legal requirement that file needs to be retained for 10 years. We write it, we know it's not going to be edited. The content is always going to be exactly the same. And then we can expire that after 10 years. The second case is short term. So there's a very real threat around ransomware, yeah. which is right many times and encrypt the heck out of stuff. And then we're in a bit of a pickle. So there are some protections in that way against that type of a threat. So I loved your example of IT ISOs, because when we get into the weeds of uh, kind of an incident and we have to go very deep and do a full recovery, we need those ISOs and we need them to be true, right? So we need to know that uh, it's a trusted source. So if we have immutable storage for our IT um, ISOs, we know we can get things like um, disk images out of there uh, and it's going to be reliable so we can start deploying and patching and updating and doing things really quickly. So there's a lot of benefit to immutable storage. I think that kind of, I, I almost wish that Microsoft would market the immutable storage a little bit better, but at the same time, I get it because if everybody jumps to it all at once, they will have capacity challenges because everybody would get too excited about it. Absolutely. And it's not it's not only only on that perspective. It's like it needs to make sense on the scenario that you want. This is just yeah. another scenario. It's another possibility that you have inside of the the the, the storage. Uh in this case, uh part of Azure. So if you if you look at you have different type of containers you have tables you have blobs you have blocks you have a few other ones options that you can have over there but not all the blob for example it's the best solution for what you need to do it regarding uh, the way that you use the, uh, the the storage accounts okay for example that's why you have a diversity in this case of scenarios and, and, and solutions regarding the storage and regarding storage accounts. Um, this one, it's another one that you can that you can add for your scenarios for using, in this case, the storage accounts. It's one more reason to, to close what we call that gap between what we really need and what it is. Because if you remember, I, and and this goes to back to, to one of the questions that I have with one customer not long time ago, uh, explaining in this case the tiers of storage that you have and why is there. And especially not on storage accounts, but for example, on Azure Monitor, right? Because on Azure Monitor, yes, you can have your, if you want, by default is seven days on the free account, right? But on on mm -hmm. the on the pay account, the pay as you go, it's thirty days. Um, and if you look at, you can increase that without any issues, absolutely no issues. But you are it's only it's money. only money, right? It this is exactly that. It's only money. Why you need more than thirty days of your monitoring uh, uh, data to be able to just recover that fast and recover that? It's it makes totally sense, but 
if you want a little bit more that that window of 30 days, even for historical data, okay, or even to consult some, something like that, then the reason that you, why you have like ultra SSDs on all of that, if the storage is going to be there and is not going to be used, is like you want to get the power of the, the fast SSDs and MVEs and all of that technology, right? When you need it, you don't want to that for storage. So you want to, on the storage side of it, you are not too much of a concern of how much is going to uh, take to read the document or write the document. Probably read is going to be way faster than, than write, right? But you just want to place the document there and almost forget it, right? So that's why yep, in, 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 even on our computers, we have the NMVEs, that's where we put the, S, uh, the, the operating system and the files that we want. And then we have those HDs, right? Those spinning discs, spinning discs that they are way more cheaper. So you can buy like a eight terabytes or whatever for like a hundred bucks. And if you compare like an MVE of 128 gigs, it's going to cost a hundred bucks because there is no NMVE of eight terabytes okay, for now, at least at my knowledge. But if you buy a four terabytes one, NMVE costs like thousands of dollars because it's made it's for pricey. different yeah. purposes, right? And I think this is important to just have another possibility, another scenario that you can use the storage. Uh, sorry, I, I, I deviate a little bit more, but I think it's important to just cover that part. And apparently I, I'm, um, I cover too much. So let's move to the next one. <laughs> it's not you, my friend. Let's, I know it's been a, a long week. We know, we, we know that. Let's, it's been a week. let's move to the next one. And this one, I have to say that I'm really excited about it. It's the Azure Absolutely. storage again. Okay. Attribute based access control, the ABAC. Conditions with principal attributes now in public preview. So, first and foremost, it's it's right. It's ABAC. It's not RBAC. Okay, RBAC is role-based access control. This is attribute-based access control. The big difference between the both, okay, is role-based access control is you attach to a role, you attach to a Login, you attach to a user. The attribute-based attribute as control, you attach to a, 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 a servant principle, or in other words, for the people that comes from the data center world or from premise, so service accounts. Okay, service mm -hmm. accounts. You don't. The service accounts don't go like press Alt Control Delete. Okay and going there and punch their username and the password. No, they are service accounts. So now we have this in public preview, but now we can control the access of those servant principles, okay? Or security principles, uh, resource requests, anything that we want through those attribute base. So it's the way that we can have exactly the same segregation that we were doing for years with RBAC, uh, now with service principles 
or security principles in this case for applications which is oh my god i i raise my hands to say thank you because it's it's another security layer that we have absolutely so we talked about this um months ago when it hit uh i think it was in private preview at that time yeah. and one of the interesting things about this is this is it's a complementary um, technology, right? So Azure ABAC builds on Azure RBAC yes. by adding those role assignment conditions based on the attributes in the context of specific actions. So I loved how you explained how service principle, security principle is kind of the Azure to the different equivalent of a service account. So with service accounts in ADDS on-prem, we would typically, um, I hope, we would typically block interactive sessions, yep. right? Meaning that we don't allow that account to log into a Windows session, i.e. protecting against human compromise, helping protect against. I, I shouldn't say it's the only protection. It's one of many. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so in this case, we use the role assignment condition as an additional check that we optionally add the role assignment to provide more fine-grained access controls, right? So kind of what does that mean? Why use those conditions? And I'm kind of I've I've pulled a couple of talking points um, when you were explaining there because I, I really like the way that ABAC is a complementary technology. It allows us to increase yes. security and add better controls, improve the existing controls on a way that's well-established. Service accounts are a very common uh, way to accomplish fixing a problem. Well, we need to have an account, but I don't want it to be a user account. What can I do with this? Well, we, this is what we do, right? So we can provide the more fine-grained access and that's really role assignment using those role definitions with actions and data actions to grant security principle permissions. Yes. So we can filter them down and allow only, um, I think the, the, K, the, I still call them KBs in my head. I have to get out of that. The MS docs example is that we use data tags to drive access. Yep. So now we're starting to see how the, the technologies really tie together and how a really good governance strategy is more than just data governance. It can also drive security Absolutely. and better ways to protect that data and the environment and the business and the IP contained yep. in that data. Really powerful tool. Absolutely. And and this, this update, right, and these I think it really benefits in three different uh, three areas. First of all, it enables a finer grain access to resources. So again, this is going to follow the best practices to give only what you need, especially for those type of applic uh, security principles, right? Like the server least access. least access. That is one of them, and by doing that. It goes to the not to the second benefit that goes directly uh, that indirectly is directly connected 
that is reducing the role assignments of uh, that you have to create and manage because yep that's true if you are giving only what you need you don't need to create a much you don't need to create too much too many roles for this right mm -hmm. because you still need to create the roles to give access um, but you don't need to create and manage those role assignments because now you have that security principle and regarding those attributes you just give that 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 and it's way easy to control and the third that is connected to the the first two is to control those rules okay of attributes on a way that mean something to the business so if yeah. you want for example to express like you mentioned some conditions and some attributes to represent for example a project name a business application or a function that you have you can have that and expressing that inside of this ABAP, uh, ABAC, and which is awesome, which is allows you, it's not like it's, it's not going to uh, resolve all the world's problem, but it will increase the security of your environment because you are taking down way more. It's like I always, when I was, when I'm teaching, uh, in this case, uh, on, the, on the security courses, and especially related to, to our back is like, if you are sure that you need all of those 100 permissions, for example, that group F, absolutely use the built-in. But if your group or if your user only needs those 99 of the 100, create a group for those 99. Because the difference of those 99 to 100 could be able to destroy your environment without you knowing. And then it's better to say, um, there is a, 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 a wording for that, but it's better to, to, to just be precautious than say sorry, right? Uh, Absolutely. And, and, and that's, that's one of always the times that, that when I'm on, on a classroom, I always try to, to, to teach is those moments because I've been there uh, and I know how painful it is to just recover and how painful for the company and how much effort and money and everything it is to recover from one of those disasters, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's it's hard on um, the company's wallet. Absolutely. But it's also really hard on the people that have to work through that recovery because it's, it's extremely stressful, it's taxing and um, I had uh, I, I had the privilege of working with somebody, and I remember we worked through a recovery situation in uh, one customer environment, and he described it to me as, you know what, I feel uh, we've built a really good bond with the team. We've been through the trenches together now, yeah. and it's a it really is a good description because um, you're very stressed. It's high pressure. Um, there is a lot at stake. It's the company's livelihood yeah. um, because we have to get everything back operational again, yeah. right? And that's really the kind of the, the driving force behind recovery. And I really loved your description around that. I actually had uh, a chat with a customer this week um, around, hey, when you log into our system, you're just going to have to phone us because 
our conditional access policies will probably prevent you from doing what you want to do. Exactly. So, and I said, hey, that's actually great news because usually by the time you're phoning me, it's really the other end of the scale where, oh man, we, we wish that we'd had tighter conditional access policies because it could have prevented something. And that's really important to know, yeah, right? Absolutely. So this is one of the complementary tools that can help support better security overall. And it doesn't have to be a big uphill climb. It's one piece of the pie. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. But it's not the last the last Azure Storage update. Uh, we have another one that is Azure Storage Secure Access to Storage Account from Virtual Network Subnets in any region now in public preview. So again, this is another way that you can protect your storage account by giving secure access only from networks or subnets from any region that you provide it. So you can configure, in this case, a rule of a virtual network, virtual network rule, for that specific subnet to say that, hey, only this amount of subnets are allowed to connect to this storage account, which is awesome because now, for example, um, you can segregate that that you can control what is accessing what, and you can have mechanisms of, for example, not going outside of the um, of the region because this will kill too many birds at one stone uh it's a secure one yeah. okay as as we already it's 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 on a title but it's also an operational one because if you want to make sure that you are not having egress traffic for example okay you can make sure that you can create a storage account that is there that you can have for example uh let's call it read-only geo-replication okay uh, mm -hmm. to another region and is still available on another region but you are only locking down on that storage account for example on that region and now you are not going outside of that region to access uh, that storage account for example okay uh, exactly so it it gives a lot of possibilities not only on the security perspective but on operational one and on cost savings because it's it's everything together it's it's not like exactly. it's not like this is only for the security part of it. Yes, it will increase the security, like we mentioned on on the previous update, but it also it gives the possibility of thinking outside of the box and and thinking on the ways that you can implement a solution that is better for the customer at overall at all all uh, points, like on a security point of it point of view on the cost management point of view, on operational side point of view, and all of that, right? That, at least this is what I, I take out of this, uh, this update. But it's still in public preview. Uh, I really want this, this to come to come that. Do you have anything to add on this update? Well, I, I was just thinking about a couple of things. Um, I think low-hanging fruit first, right? GDPR. So what a great way to help support compliance Absolutely. Um, at the configuration layer, right? So um, we can we can kind of build out our kind of compliance requirements right into the infrastructure 
So for me, that's kind of the first thing that jumps out of the like, oh, hey, what a great way to help with that. But also I was thinking about kind of our natural region pairs that we have, and we can allow a storage account and lock it down to our primary and secondary region and prevent access from other regions. So it's a way to help restrict potential other compromise or to just say, hey, you know, uh, we, we might have different regional requirements, but this is our preferred DR zone or whatever. And um, you can kind of work within that. And it just helps to build out those kind of um, barriers yeah. to prevent data egress where we, we need to have some uh, virtual barriers in place with it. So those are kind of the two things that really stuck out a bit. For no, me absolutely. And, and again, the, we can be here for internally just talking about the scenarios that this, this will enable us to create and to develop regarding this on this feature that is being in public preview. Absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, and that's a good point. Um, this one is still in preview. Yeah. So um, the usual warning, we'll say. Exactly. Uh, if you haven't heard our warning, watch any episode. Um, you'll, <laughs> you'll hear any episode. Exactly. You'll hear us in there. But I do want to say, um, just I know that was our last one with storage, but I want to say thank you to all of our listeners and viewers. Um, and again, uh, you know, don't forget, like and subscribe. Let us know. Uh, leave a little comment. We absolutely love hearing from everybody. Um, doesn't have to be a positive one. If you have something you want to weigh in and uh, make a correction as uh, I ramble on and on about different things, by all means, um, weigh in in the comments and let us know. Marcos replies with a loving hug to each one. <laughs> yes, I try, I try, I try that. <laughs> I try to, to correspond the love that we're receiving all the time. Absolutely. And and with that, like you said, this is the, the end of our podcast. It was, I have to say, I have to confess, a little bit longer than I was anticipated. Uh, but it is it is like a conversation uh, we don't have like a script like we mentioned in the beginning. And it was a very, I love this part. This is the part, again, uh, I've not been saying that too many times, um, but I love this 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 part of the week. As far as it's the end of the week, it's where I can uh, disconnect from the world. In this case, if, if I may say so, uh, or at least shut down my computer. <laughs> and then only only on Monday, coming back to to work but thank you so much for being here thank you andrew for being part of this uh, without you it's going to be really difficult to have a, a discussion it's going to be a monologue <laughs> <laughs> and well we can't have a discussion that just looks a little bit more exactly exactly so. absolutely <laughs> and way more way more work on after processing the video because i have to record the, the question and then Record, yeah, record, record the answer and like it's going to be really, yeah, no, no. Let, I like it. I, I'd watch that episode. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't tease me. I, I might, I might do something like that, but thank you very much for, for, for keeping, don't forget to subscribe. Give us some love. Uh, we, we love that. And, um, in this case, I hope I can see you next week and bye for now.